This is Leaders Who Scale, and I'm Jeff Siegel. I've worked with thousands of companies over the years, and I'm fascinated by seeing how many of them grow and scale. Join me as we learn from the leaders of growing companies and share that knowledge. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class accounting, advisory, and QuickBooks and Acumatica Cloud ERP services. Today's guest is a process optimizing machine. She holds a background in corporate paralegal and legal operations. And since joining the company in 2017, she streamlined all processes, starting with the initial customer or prospect contact all the way through invoicing. And she's brought the company into the 21st century. She's helped triple the company's revenue in four years. She's the CEO of Clearview Washing LLC. They're located in New Jersey. I wanna welcome Christine Hodge. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's an honor. Thanks for being on and I'm excited to um, talk in the next, I don't know, 40 minutes or so, 45 minutes, just on how are you doing this and um, kind of really your challenges. So, I mean, the, the first question I, I have, a kind of the big important question would be, what's your most um, challenging aspect of scaling the company? I would say that our most challenging aspect of scaling the company would be the implementation of technology and our processes. So basically, when we want to implement a new technology or a new process, we have it in our minds, we plan, we work behind the scenes, we work really hard to make it as easy as possible to implement, but the actual implementation is very, very challenging because you're working with deep people with different backgrounds and you know different needs and different ways of learning. So when you're working with other people and you're trying to implement a process, it can take a while, but it's worth it. So what, I mean, you, the company I think was formed back in what, 2004? Is that yep. around the time? Mm -hmm. And you came in in 17. What was that like when you first came in? Were you like a firecracker? Like, hey, do we have to we have to put in all these systems? And what were yes. the, was it? I'm sure there was pushback. <laughs> I'm sure that, I'm just curious how you actually went about doing this. Um, it was very challenging. I think now everyone can laugh at, uh, you know, Christine's the process police, like, you know, oh, we're not following the process and Christine's watching. So uh, now we kind of make joke of it. But back in 2017, it was very challenging um, because my background in the legal world was to identify gaps in, um, in technology and communication throughout our company. And I had created databases and ways of kind of taking us in the legal world electronically to keep up with the times. So when I came into Clearview, I kind of like just thought I could do the same thing very easily because I assumed it was a need, but um, they didn't identify it as a need right off the bat. So the implementation was very challenging. However, with um, consistency and continuous training and pushing and training and pushing and constructive criticism and again, consistency, we made it happen, but it doesn't happen in a week or two weeks or three weeks. It took almost a year for mm -hmm. everyone to be comfortable moving from paper into you know technology and systems online. Yeah, did you... What was it like even when you, before you started? I mean, we talk about paper. Was it really truly just 
paper flowing everywhere and proposals and invoicing yes. even i'm just curious what that even looked like you must have said wow we've got to change things when you when you got involved right away so the two founders of the company are um, my husband and my father-in-law and um, my father-in-law is now the vp of sales my husband is the president um, my mother-in-law is the head of the office and my brother-in-law is the um, field operations manager so not only did I marry into the family, but I also joined them and kind be. of changed everything. It must so, be at family dinners, I'm sure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, we've done a really good job of separating work and personal, which is great. Um, and, and that's, you know, one of the true keys to our success because you have to be able to separate the two. And um, so everything was really handwritten between my husband and my father-in-law. They would handwrite the estimates. They were doing all the estimates themselves. We didn't have a sales team. Mm -hmm. um, the office would handwrite the appointments and then put them into, um, uh, I don't, it might've been like Gmail calendars or something. There was no, everyone was using the same email address. So no one knew who the emails were going to. Now everyone has their same, has separate email addresses. So um, I saved all of the notebooks with like what invoices were paid. Invoices were handwritten too. There was no tracking method. I mean, if an invoice didn't go paid and somehow fell or was accidentally thrown out, we would have never known. Now we have like a CRM that's synced automatically every day to QuickBooks. We have a QuickBooks consultant who manages our bookkeeping. So it's come a long way. And um, I don't, fault to anyone at the company for not going electronic. But when you're building a company, it, it is easier to bring on a third party. And I consider that third party myself to handle this because you just can't do everything. And there's um, another, I think, key to success is identifying um, your strengths and weaknesses and then bringing on people who can fill those gaps for you to create a real rock star solid team. My strength is not sales. So the fact that my father-in-law excels at building relationships in sales is tremendous for the company. My strengths are not marketing. My husbanding, my husband is a marketing genius. I mean the creativity that comes through every single day from a marketing perspective is is incredible. And my strength is process management and operations on the back end. So we've created this trifecta of like, like just power where we all every day come in and handle our, you know, we stay in our own lanes and we handle our own, you know, um, tasks on that end. And it's really, it's really been great, but I do think it's very important for growth to divide and conquer and really identify where your gaps are and bring, it doesn't have to be family. You don't have to hire family, but just bring people on that can fill those gaps for you. So um, I've heard from other companies that sometimes you could bring people on too soon. Obviously you could bring them on too late. Do you think that with your process experience that if you came on to earlier, it may not have been as good? Like, do they need to get to that point with their growth? Because um, sometimes, I guess, process sometimes could stifle an early stage company because mm -hmm. there's too much of it. Um, and, and then I also could stifle it later on if there's too much of it. So I'm curious whether you, 
you feel like you came on at the right time? You feel like you came on a little late? You could have come in earlier? Like, what's your beliefs on that whole process? I truly believe that everything happens when it's meant to happen and how it's supposed mm -hmm. to happen. Um, I think I came on at the right time. It's also a different time now. So in 2004, um, I don't believe that, you know, in the, especially in the home service industry, I don't believe that there were all these databases and online resources. I think that it was like an unknown industry. And now technology has come a long way with the internet and, and sinks and, and uh, you know, different companies and technologies being able to sync together and things of that nature. So uh, it's a different time. So I would say I came on at the perfect time for Clearview because they couldn't grow anymore without now taking the next step. So I think you have to maximize your capabilities before bringing someone on and say, okay, now we're ready to take on somebody new. Now we can afford to take on somebody new. Now we can invest our time into taking on someone new because we've passed off some responsibilities to another employee. Um, another thing is if someone were starting a company at this time, my recommendation would be to start, like, you know, everything that you do, start it electronically mm -hmm. and document your processes from the very beginning. If I were starting my own company at this point with the resources that you have, and there are a lot of cost-effective resources and free resources on the internet, I would utilize them and, and start right from the beginning documenting your processes. That way, you don't have to start from scratch 10 or 15 years down the line, you know? Mm -hmm. do, do you, um, with your team, you mentioned your husband's kind of the marketing person, your your father-in-law's sales, your process. Do you find, is there any, and it's probably even worse with family, or it could be conflict at times? Because I, as a process-driven person, I, I would think that you, you want the I's dotted, the T's crossed. The salesperson may be like, hey, I just want to go out and get these sales. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm just curious, is can there be conflict at times or is there? And how do you get through Absolutely. that? Yeah. There is, um, so I will say at this time, there is no more conflict, but mm -hmm. it takes a few years to, as, as two people, my husband and father-in-law who founded the company, this is their baby. So it, and it's, so it's completely understandable that it takes a few years to, or it takes some time to fully trust the process and trust the change and trust put your trust in the hands of the person who's trying to implement something new because change is scary and change is hard. So you have to trust in the process. You have to make sure you brought on the right person. I was very confident that I was the right person to implement these processes. So I just had to convince them, you know, at family dinners, like, you know, trust the process. And again, it's something we laugh at now, but We'll even say this, if we're implementing something new, a new bonus structure or a new technology, we have weekly meetings with different divisions within our company, weekly sales meetings, weekly office meetings, and weekly field operations meetings. So sales is, you know, the weekly meeting with my father-in-law and his team, offices with my mother-in-law and her team, and then field offices with my brother-in-law and his team. And uh, I say all the time, I, I, I literally probably say this weekly, our process implementation is meant to make your life easier. 
We're not implementing a process ever, nor should you, if you're growing your business and you're bringing on a process person or trying to implement, the process should never make someone's life more challenging. But you do have to climb that mountain to while learning the process and then learn that it's made your job a lot easier. But you do have to have your team understand that they're going to have to invest upfront in learning the process. <laughs> it, it, it must be a challenge. I mean, have there been any, I, I hate to use the word failures, have there been any things that you got, you've tried and it just didn't work and you had to move on to something else or some other system? Um, I'm trying to think. Our CRM was a huge success. Our coding software was a huge success. I would say, I can't call anything a failure, mm -hmm. but I have learned in my mind, I thought that I could train something and then they'll run with it. And because I've never been a manager, like I wasn't a manager when I was a paralegal, I wasn't in a leadership position ever. So I've learned it's, it's, I, I've read a ton of books on leadership. Actually, <laughs> Yeah. I, I've learned that in true leadership, uh, it wasn't a failure, but training isn't a one day thing or a one week thing. Every single time that you're interacting with your people, you mm -hmm. have to be training because from their end, they don't know what you're talking about. I sit here and I work on my systems, you know, 24 seven. And then I can't just hand it off and say like, all right, this is how you do it. Here you go. It doesn't work that way. So I've grown as a leader in understanding that it's going to take longer and it's not fair to throw a system at somebody and say, here you go, make it work, you know? Yeah. No, especially with people who are um, in your field, you have a lot of what I would call technicians. They're out doing the job and you're bringing in a whole new system and probably a lot of electronic mobile. I, I mean, I'm, I'm sure you have mobile systems. iPads, yep. <laughs> and so it's a whole new thing for them to, you know, they, they probably had the, the scratch pad on the truck and now they've got everything on their phones or the tablets or yeah. It's, <laughs> what, what's your favorite um, systems? And you have multiple ones. It sounds like for different things. You said you had quoting, you use QuickBooks, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. um, and you have like scheduling software too, and things like yeah. that. We have scheduling software. Um, so when somebody requests an estimate uh, that is scheduled through our scheduling system, we have mm -hmm. automated follow-ups with our customers when a job closes. We have automated um, a review system. So, you know, uh, I think a day after we finish a job, the customer starts getting communications about leaving us a review. Um, or if they had any issues to contact us directly. So that's been tremendous for our Google reviews. Um, we have everything automated. I would have to say my favorite is um, QuickBooks. And it's simply because there is so much power in knowing your numbers. Mm. When yeah. I first joined, um, probably through from 2017 through 2019, uh, I didn't even understand the numbers. I mean, that, that I didn't understand. I just had no experience in it. So to be able to create um, financial strategies and, um, you know, and budgets and then mm -hmm. actually see it in QuickBooks and stay on target and understand what a profit and loss is and understand what a balance sheet is. I personally, I think these are things that should, you, you know, it should be an option for a high school student. Like, 
to know that just to understand how numbers work and how taxes work and why things are calculated a certain way. I think there's a huge strength in that in life. It, it makes you balance your own personal checkbook differently, yeah. in my opinion. So um, QuickBooks is my favorite tool because I think that it's a huge contribution to the success of the company is us knowing what our numbers are. Yeah, I mean, I'm glad you made that point. And this was not pre-rehearsed or anything, you know, being a QuickBooks consultant. Oh, uh, that's right. <laughs> I completely no, so forgot. <laughs> you use the online version or the desktop version? I use the online version. We yep. initially started with the desktop version. I didn't find it user-friendly, but I love the online version. Yeah. I mean, we, it's interesting, QuickBooks, I mean, I have a whole company around QuickBooks, but I, I've, I've done a couple of um, business, um, I've gone to a couple of organizations. One of them was the Goldman Sachs 10K SB program. All, they bring in all business owners. And I work with so many business owners. A lot of them, they know their craft extremely well. I mean, they're professionals in their craft, but the financials is like very low on the totem pole as far as their knowledge. And just understanding the margins, like how to read financials, they, you know, it's, it's, it's a, it, it should be a, a mandatory course. Oh, you want to start a business? You have to do this. You have to, whether it's QuickBooks or any of the product, understand your numbers and your balance sheet. I, I have to, my own plug on the balance sheet. Very few business owners even look at the balance sheet. They're looking at the profit and loss statement, yeah. the income statement. Yeah. But if the balance sheet's wrong, the income statement's wrong. This if it's in the wrong place, the numbers are wrong. So, but I'm glad Absolutely. you I'm glad you like it. Oh and my gosh, so many I things integrate. <laughs> yeah, so many things integrate to QuickBooks too, which is nice. Um, yeah, yeah. The automation, even I remember our QuickBooks coach once saying, um, "I'm going to find you money that you didn't know you lost." Yeah. And we were like, "No, I mean we have CRMs now, so we know that every invoice is paid." And he's like, but you don't know if the check was deposited. You don't know if it actually made it into your bank account. And he was right. right. There's so much power in knowing your numbers. Yeah, I mean, I had, I've had clients um, where they'll send out an invoice and, and they'll, they'll use QuickBooks. They're doing it all the right way. But if that invoice is not being paid, they're looking at their numbers and they're seeing this great revenue yes. and they're wondering why they have no money. And it's because nobody's collecting on those invoices and it's growing on the balance sheet again. So, so many ways to read these numbers and they could fool you if you don't read the, see the big picture. Absolutely. So, Absolutely. Yeah. And um, one more keynote yeah. is from analyzing our QuickBooks, we learned how to properly price our, um, our services. So like there were some areas that we were really like we were losing money if we completed a certain service and we learned that we have to raise the price and we're going to lose some customers because of that. But we're now going to attract the right customers, the customers we need to continue to grow. That was huge and eye opening, like to see that you're really like sending a crew out to do a service and you weren't making any money. It was just a break even. Yeah. Never known. <laughs> That's a key point. If the if the if the P and L is not in the right place, things out in the right place, and you see sales, and you see cost of sales, and you see a big margin, well, down below the line, underneath cost of sales, you can have labor and all these other costs yeah. that are part of delivering a service. Your margin is not really fifty percent. It could be minus. It could be ten percent. Right. And then you're like, whoa, this is really telling. 
Yeah. Right. Yeah. I could talk to you about this forever. This is so yeah, right. No, that's a, that's a whole different <laughs> podcast. Well, we should you stop. are the right person to talk to. <laughs> it, we in that person you're working with who said I could find you money. I mean, that's exactly where you know all those pieces where you're looking at are things in the right bucket or a right place. Um, or things sitting on the balance sheet that should be on the PL and vice versa. Um, you know, things Absolutely. so it's so many things. So I could talk about QuickBooks all day, but I won't talk. About <laughs> so um, t- uh, talk to me about, you mentioned earlier, you, get, you have meetings. Mm-hmm. Was that always the case in the company when you, since you started, or was that something you actually implemented? Like, Hey, we need to talk about these, you know, do these weekly meetings to kind of strategize really kind of what, is that something you put in place at all? Or yes. Yeah? So that is something that I started, um, I think it's another thing that I bought from the corporate world. Mm-hmm. I think it is very, very hard for a small business, especially a home service company, to be able to implement all of these um, certain guidelines. And, and I am not personally a fan of the corporate world. Um, I, I wasn't interested in corporate politics. I wasn't interested, you know, sometimes very large companies. Uh, it's very hard to really care about the employee. I'm not saying all companies are like this, but mm-hmm. I, I like small. I, I, I even felt this way with colleges and universities. Like I like small, I like uh, a more personable experience. So I like working with a small business. Um, that being said, there were some key aspects that I feel were important from a corporate culture. And I think one of them was uh, meanings because you have to create a communication between different parts of your company. Otherwise, everyone's just texting each other all the time and text messages get lost and no one knows who said what and no one knows why something happened. So I implemented meetings, but this was another thing that took a very long time for everyone to understand because at first, you know, you're very busy, especially you know, in the spring, um, no one wanted to sit down for a one hour meeting because they had very important things to do in the field in sales and in the office. And I had to fight really, really hard to say this meeting is very, very critical for our communication. And it worked because here we are now, Mm -hmm. you know, four years, five years into meetings and everyone looks forward to them. Everyone keeps their own agendas and they save things for talking, you know, it again, implementation of a new process should be to make your life easier. So now the fact that you have something that needs to be discussed with someone, but you know, you're going to have a Tuesday morning meeting with them. You write it down. You don't have to text. You don't have to call. You don't have to play phone tag. Um, You know who the right person is that you have to escalate an issue to. So now everyone looks forward to the meetings, but it took some time, but I 100% think that there should be team meetings within your organization. Yeah, I mean, a lot of people, if they're done right, a lot of companies will have meetings just to have meetings or they just, things don't get done, they drag mm-hmm. on, but having that process, you probably have where it's like, hey, the meeting starts at nine, we're going to end at whatever, 10, here's what Absolutely. we're going to do, and then we'll talk next Tuesday, whatever, yeah. So that's Absolutely, important. and that, and then so, and then you had mentioned earlier that we have field employees, and the field employees mm-hmm. aren't, they don't, you know, they don't necessarily sit in an office all day. Um, For our field employees, we created a binder and that binder sits at our shop and -hmm. it's open to anyone. So if a field employee has something that needs to be discussed at the next meeting, the top page of that binder, they just write down what needs to be discussed. It can be anonymous and 
the um, Monday morning, the 7 a.m. meeting before the field goes out and dispatches to their jobs, everything that's on in that binder on that list um, is discussed with the field crew, which is incredible. And then we also have a safety component. So my husband will pick one safety topic to discuss at on a Monday morning meeting. And then everyone kind of like signs off on that agenda so that we know who, who learned that safety topic. So it's really come a long way, but it's, you know, I highly recommend it if someone doesn't currently hold meetings. Yeah, no, that sounds great. It's because of the, the field, the people out in the field, how is it difficult to create or, uh, some, or follow some kind of like a company culture? I mean, do you, do you feel that, do you bring, you know, I'm curious how you actually do that because they're out in the field probably all the time with the exception of the mornings, right? Before they so, go out. Yes, so they're in the field all the time. And um, we are actually known locally for having an incredible company culture. Um, we are always sure. So we have like group chats on our phones Something as simple as, um, you know, like Merry Christmas to the entire crew and getting everybody communicating with each other. Um, if we have a really rough week, everyone went into overtime, a Friday afternoon text message, you know, thank you guys so much. Um, pizza on us next week. Uh, when we are at a commercial job, our field ops would, you know, bring lunch to the guys if they're working their butts off. We have um, monthly employee of the month where we give them a $100 bill as a bonus. And then we have one of those huge oversized checks that say like their name and then they like pose with a picture. We have weekly bonuses. Um, we have Clearview Day every August where every we take the day off. We don't schedule any jobs. Last week we went on a boat. And we took the entire company and we did just a day on the boat on the water and we cater lunch. Uh, the year before we did it at a swim club. Everyone went swimming for the day. Our company um, Christmas parties, we have, you know, we raffled off a $600 TV and we like do all these fun things because your company, there are different ways to structure a company. We are structuring our company for growth. In order to grow, you have to invest. We're over-investing. Like on our PL, we are over-investing financially in our employees because they are currently the ones growing our business. We have an incredible multi-step uh, hiring process that I developed. If a, if, a, if a prospective employee can't make it through that multi-step with the communication, mm -hmm. they're not getting hired. So everyone that's on our team has proven their ability to be with a company like ours. So they're building our reputation. Our customers are leaving us reviews because of them. So I think, so going back to your original um, question is you have to build an employee culture if you want to grow your company because they're representing you. And if they don't want to be there, your customers are going to see that they don't want to be here. Mm -hmm. Um, so I, it's, again, it's something else I'm very passionate about, and I can talk about employee culture for hours with you, but I do think it's very valuable. Well, how do you, I've talked to other owners that, you know, they'll, they'll have people that come in and they just don't feel that they're invested in the job or it's just a job. It's not a career, especially with maybe a younger generation where it seems like they're passing through because, 
maybe the hourly rate isn't as high as they would like. And so how do you, is, is turnover an issue? Um, how do you, you know, is it the interview process where you really figure out, is this person going to be long-term for us? Is this a you know, person we want to work with? Absolutely. Yeah. So um, the turnover rate was very high when mm -hmm. I joined the company. Um, I had, I didn't have a background in the home service industry and I didn't understand why. And as I got to know the employees, the way the company works and where we want to go, also the type of customers that we're servicing, um, we would like to be the luxury exterior cleaning company in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. So that being said, um, we would essentially at that time hire anyone who could like walk. Like it was just like, if you can walk and you can drive, you're in. Yeah. And then they wouldn't show up um, to the second day on the job or there was sleeping in or there was, you know, hire them for two weeks and then they found another job. So through that, that's where I said, I think that we need to develop a multi-step hiring process mm -hmm. that leaves the ball in the prospective employee's court at all times. So during our interview process, the ball is always in your court. If you want this job, you're going to have to pass that ball. You're going to have to do things right. You're going to have to call when you say you're going to call. Email when you say you're going to email. Hand over documents when you say you're going to hand them over. So much has to happen before that person steps foot onto your property. Um, they have to talk to me before they, they even come in for an, uh, a face-to-face -face interview. So we have a phone interview and then a face-to-face. -face. We need references. We received a reference once. I thought the guy was great. My husband thought he was great. And then they left references. And then we called the references and learned about drug use on the job. But this, this reference was handed to us by this prospective employee. We didn't have to dig for it. Right. So you have yeah. to understand that if you have a solid process in place, you are going to learn about this person for the most part. I'm sure a few will slip through that, but you're going to learn about them. We have such a rock star, such a solid team right now. No turnover rate. We're a seasonal business. We don't work in the winter. They mm -hmm. all came back to us in March. Every single one came back to us in March. Wow. So that just proves how strong, but it has to take place before you even hire that person. Mm -hmm. How many, um, we didn't talk about how many people you have, how many do you have? We have about 25 employees to total, mm -hmm. um, uh, 25 or 27. I want to say 25 employees total. Um, and we're currently looking to hire four more field employees. Um, we're fully maxed out right now. Yeah. I was going to ask you as you grow, how do you figure out on the hiring side, whether you need to hire someone in the sales, someone in like field um, or back office or even operations, do you have, do you have that planned out or is that just kind of a result of growth that we bring them in when we need them? You bring them in when you need them. Um, you don't want to, it's a lot of the PNL, right. And your payroll yeah. percentages. Um, we know what we need our field percentages to be in payroll. And we know what we need our backend office and sales percentages to be. Mm -hmm. um, so we're able to monitor that throughout the year. So we know if we're kind of heavy in a certain area, but we typically hire when we are maxed out. So if we got to the point, we have four salespeople right now, two commercial, two residential. When we get to the point where on a daily basis, they can't handle, or even a weekly basis, they can't handle 
the workload, the quotes or the requests are coming in faster than we can handle, we'll know to bring someone else on. But right yeah. now we can handle it. Um, this is how we know we need to hire four more in the field because we're fully booked until June and we don't want to be fully booked until June. It's great. Right. But we have, that's we right, have right. the capabilities right now of bringing on two more crews. Let's bring on two more crews. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been actually, I spent the whole morning doing phone interviews. So uh, I, I, I believe in investing in employment, but I don't think it should happen prematurely. You have to have the need for it, not the want. I want to hire somebody to help me out, right? I want a personal assistant, sure. but that's not a, that's not a priority right now. Yeah. <laughs> There's virtual assistants out there. I know there are virtual starting to get into that a lot. Yeah, we're not there quite yet. Give give me like two years, and I'll be able to convince my husband. <laughs> um, do you have like a plan for? Do you have like a three year, a five year, like any? future plans as far as the business growth? Do you actually plan that out? That's a great Um, question. Um, We have a target that we would like to meet this year mm -hmm. and next year. So we have mapped out what Clearview would like to gross this year. Um, Mm -hmm. We have a conservative gross, and then I have what I anticipate the gross will be. And we have that for 2022 and 2023. Okay. Five-year plan, we don't have one business-wise. We have personal plans. Um, So my husband and I have pretty solid like professional development plans, personal goals. Um, He wants to veer into, we both do. He wants to veer into coaching. Um, He's very passionate about training other entrepreneurs. He graduated from Rowan University from the entrepreneurship program. And he chose Rowan because of the entrepreneurship program. He wants to give back now to future entrepreneurs because he's so passionate about this. I want to public speak. I want to, I want to go speak to a group of people and say, you can do this and talk about the hiring process and do what I'm doing with you. Like I, I'm very passionate. I can talk about it for hours about process management. And that's what I want to do. I think that those personal goals will take our company in the direction it's supposed to go, to be honest with you, whether it be to continue to grow, whether it be to sell down the line. Um, but we just want to, you know, we also, we promoted our first non-family member in 2021. Mm-hmm. That was huge for us. Like to be able to take, we met this employee at a, um, at a local co- community college at a job fair. And he started out in the field and then he became a team lead. And now he's field operations manager of the residential division division. And this is his career. And we're like, we've created careers for people. If we can do this for another 10, 15, 20 years where this isn't a job, this isn't like a summer job. This is a career. Like we're going to invest in you so that you can live the lifestyle you want to live. That's like, that would be a true goal and vision for us. Yeah. Oh, that is awesome. Um, yeah, that's like the big, hairy, audacious goal, right? The BHAG, right? So mm-hmm. I was going to ask you about opportunities for growth and that just that just topped it off right there. And one of the things I was going to ask you on the growth side, because I had spoke to another leader in a home services industry and he went from doing kind of what you're doing, not the same um, product and service, into franchising because he said hey I, I think i have a great 
thing going here. I want to teach other people how to do this. And I'd be curious if that's even something that you've even thought about as a company. We've thought about it. Um, we've, we've gone back and forth between franchising or potentially opening up uh, multiple locations. We have the technology systems and infrastructure to first open up multiple locations um, within, you know, the state, the tri-state area, and then potentially franchise. So we've thought about it, um, but we, you know, we want to push as far as we can in terms of the local success right. before we branch out. There's so much we can do in the state of New Jersey and New York and Pennsylvania. And I think once we're once we've maxed out the market here, then I think we'll take that step. First things first, right? Yeah. <laughs> you, you know have, me and my processes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And right. And that must be a challenge even for you because you're very, you're very process driven, but you also have vision. And so you, you know, it's a, you know, you got to, you're both sides of the fence because I'm very vision oriented personally but I, I'm not, I want process, but I'm not the one to put it in place. I'll tell you that. Uh, okay. I'll even have someone else put it in place and not follow it. So I, I, I have Absolutely. to pull myself back in as the owner of my own company. So it's, you know, it's, it sounds like you have a great vision as well as processing. Thank you. Thank you. So, so just kind of, you know, I think we, I, there's so many questions I could could ask you, but I'll just, I'll wait another year and actually get you back on to see how it's Oh, going. I would love that. Yeah, that'd be kind of cool. Just, just tell me about yourself, your family, like what, what do you do outside of work? Your, you know, yeah. Your passions. Of course. Yeah. Sure. So um, outside of work, we have uh, two kids. We have a four-year-old and a two-year-old, a four-year-old daughter named Gabriella. Our two-year-old is named Billy. Um, they keep us quite active. We have Gabriella in dance and gymnastics and Billy's like starting T-ball for the first time. So um, we take great pride in uh, work-life balance. Um, we don't believe in, you know, working, you know, with the laptop in bed or um, taking away from family time. On weekends, we truly value our family time. Mm -hmm. um, I love to garden. We moved into a home that had a beautiful garden and I was so blown away by it that I really learned how to build it up and add to it. And I really enjoy wow. it. So that's like mommy time is like when my husband's with the kids and I get to go outside and work on our garden. Um, I really also love crafts and event planning and things like that. In my mind, I was always going to own an event planning company and do like beautiful decor. But now I do that for a like our daughter's birthdays in June and I'm in like party planning mode. So um, that's really fun. And my husband is very passionate about sports and traveling. And uh, those are all things that we do as a family. And um, we enjoy the balance. I really love working with my husband because we feel like a power couple. It's, it's, we feel that way. We feel like we're succeeding as parents we're teaching our kids that you can do whatever you want to do. Like, just own it. You know what I mean? Do what, yeah. take whatever path you, you want to do dance. You want to do this, just do whatever you want to do, but make sure you're passionate about it and you own it. Cause we're really passionate about what we do. It, it sounds like you've got a great balance between working in the business and on the business um, where you are truly working on the business and able, you get the work-life balance going. I mean, now with your, 
young kids i have three they're a little older now but god i miss those days i pushed it's funny i was growing a business and i always wanted them to like oh i can't wait till they walk and go to school and i almost pushed it without right. realizing like god i wish i can go back so it's yeah, yeah i know time goes so fast it, it does be soon your son or daughter will be cleaning windows yeah. yeah, yeah. They have little clear view squeegees, so I'm they, sure they they're do. already making them follow in our footsteps. Yeah. <laughs> I know it'll be a whole family. Yes. Yeah, so the whole family will be getting it. You, you get your in-laws, your brother-in-law, you, your husband, and the kids. So yeah, yep. be a good environment for everyone. We always say whatever they want to do. If they we would love if they took over Clearview, but if they didn't, as long as they love it, it's so important to really care about what you're doing because mm -hmm. then you know what are you doing it for? Life is too short to not enjoy what you're doing and feel like that passion, like the fire in it, you know? Yeah. No, and it's wonderful to see just my my son's a musician. Oh, and when he comes that. over and listens to records and tries to explain to me about meets and uh you know measures and beats and you know oh. oh they just did this and that like he blows me away but just see the passion and hear it it's just incredible so that's amazing that is yeah. amazing yeah all right so where can people connect if they want to hear more about clearview or just kind of your journey which is as a like I said, I'd love to talk in a year because it's just continuing, which is awesome. Absolutely. Um, we are on all social media. So you can follow Clearview Washing LLC on Facebook. We're based out of Freehold, New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, you can find us on Instagram at Clearview Washing. Uh, you can find us on LinkedIn at Clearview Washing LLC as well. Um, the Freehold, New Jersey one. Um, I'm on LinkedIn. Please connect with me, Christine Hodge. I love talking shop. And also on YouTube, we share some really cool videos on YouTube of our cleaning processes. That's all. I, you know, it's, I was at your website. I didn't realize there's drone cleaning. Yeah. When I first saw the service, I'm like, they, they clean drones. <laughs> the lens. I, that's what I thought initially. And then I looked and saw, oh, they use drones to clean. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Crazy Trying thing. to stay ahead in technology. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> Pretty soon there'll be robotic cleaners, right? Absolutely. Uh, well, I, I definitely, I want to thank you, Christine, for being on this. It's, it's, it's great. And I look, I look forward to talking in the future and kind of following you guys. Cause you know, we all, we're all learning from each other. I'm a, entrepreneur and a business owner you are it's just seeing what how you know everybody kind of grows their business it's exciting and Absolutely. i want to thank people who are listening if you like it please you know click like share it and um if you you know um, if you like it tell all your friends i i want everybody to listen to this because i think it's great and we're all learning a lot um so so th thanks everyone and see you next time. And this has been another great episode of Leaders Who Scale. And that wraps up another episode. Thank you for joining. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at leaderswhoscale.com. Leaders Who Scale is sponsored by Siegel Solutions, providing world-class services and cutting edge tools that help businesses grow and succeed.